I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Bucks hired Bruce Arians to be their head coach, but the Glazer family was not happy to learn that he would not be calling the plays. And what deal did Arians make with his wife, Chris, just to take the job? And how much should Buck fans be concerned about Arians' health history? He's never been a head coach even one year without a trip to the hospital. We learn all that and more from Andrea Kramer, who has done a feature on Arians airing all this month on HBO's Real Sports with Brian Gumbel on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, is scalloping on your bucket list? Well, if so, you can uh, do just that with Captain Mike's Swimming with the Manatees in Crystal River uh, scallop season, of course, runs through September 24th in Citrus County, and this is the ultimate family bonding experience. You can book your scallop tours now if you uh, wish to adventure on your own or have a party of larger than six. You'll find a great selection of eight-passenger pontoon boats available, and uh, they're for rent. You can get everything on it you need. It has a GPS, a dive flag, an anchor, all the required safety equipment, and a detailed map for your convenience. Now, all you need is a saltwater fishing license, and you're ready to go. So book online now and get ready for some scalloping fun. Book online at swimmingwiththemanatees.com, or you can call 352-571-1888. Andrea Kramer is, of course, a multi-Emmy Award winner. You see her work on NFL Network as a senior correspondent. She also calls games for Thursday Night Football with Hannah Storm on Amazon Prime Video, as well as HBO's Real Sports with Bryant Gumbel, and she's a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame as the winner of the Pete Rozelle Award in 2018, and she's a good friend of my wife's and myself as well. Andrea, I, I watched this story on Bruce Arians, and, and I was struck uh, mostly by something I really didn't know. Of course, it begins with him um, telling the Cardinals that he had coached his last football game, and then you note that he has never been a head coach without taking at least one trip to the hospital. I mean, coaching has always taken a toll on him going back to his Temple days. Yeah, it's kind of the thread. By the way, hi, Rick. How are you? It's nice to finally <laughs> be on with you. It's, it's nice that your wife, who, full disclosure, is my very dear friend, and I have tremendous yes. respect for her, uh, and I, I've spent more time with her than I have with you of late, so it's very nice that you're making time in your busy life and schedule to talk to little lowly me. But, uh, oh, please. But anyway, oh. <laughs> but, but oh. to get back... You know, you're right, and that's um, your observation, I think, is, is sort of the key takeaway that makes people sort of shake their heads. Yeah, the health issues have always plagued him. And if you think about it, if you think about his public persona, and let's put it this way, his public persona is truly who he is. Um, so maybe I should say how he is in the media. You know, he jokes about sexy, 60 is sexy, and he, he jokes, he makes a lot of jokes. That is who he is, you know, the fun, loving uncle and, you know, that type of thing. And, you know, my players always know that, you know, where they can get a drink on a Friday afternoon, you know, poolside by me. That's, you know, where he was in Arizona. You know, that per it's, it's amazing that that person is truly so highly strung that he has consistently had health issues. So 
yeah, the idea that every time he's been a head coach, even if you include being an interim head coach in Indianapolis, he's ended up at some point in the hospital. I didn't know that uh, he'd had this hospitalization in Arizona uh, his last season as a head coach, and it was after the Vikings game. And as he said, his blood pressure always goes up during a game. I don't think that would be a surprise to, to people about NFL head coaches. But he's laying in bed at night, and he wakes up, and he basically says to his wife, Chris, uh, I think I'm having a heart attack. You know, they call 911, he goes to the hospital, and it was, quote-unquote, just high blood pressure. <laughs> like, yo, as though that can kill you in itself. Exactly. So, uh, you know, that was, you know, that was just one more red flag that was there for him that he continued to overlook, but that ultimately his wife, Chris, could not. And he, he truly believed at the time, and I'm sure Chris did, that, that he was done. I mean, this was not, uh, hey, let me get out of Arizona and, and see what else is out there for me. That is, I think you're 100% correct. I think that not, not only do I feel like, I know him well enough. I think he's genuine enough. And, of course, I asked him this directly. I think he truly believed this. I truly think he, think he believed that he was done, not only for him, but for his wife, Chris. Because she had, she had said to him, I'm out. Not out of the marriage, but I'm out of Arizona. I'm going to go back to Georgia, which is where their off-season home is, Lake House out there. Uh, she just said, I'm not going to watch your health deteriorate like this. And she kind of put this ultimatum on him. And um, uh, that's, what he, that's what he had to do. I think that um, uh, it was just th- that that's the only thing that would have led him to, to truly walk away. And he knew, he, he told me that he had said something to um, – Michael Bidwell, the, the owner of the Cardinals during the season, that this is, this is where he was, this is how he was thinking. And, um, uh, and the funny thing is, as you probably remember being, you know, the NFL expert outside of, of, of Tampa even, the last game, they, the last game of the Cardinals season in 2017, they beat Seattle, and it was a pretty dramatic ending. And <laughs> he said... If they'd lost the game, he might have considered coming back. But the fact that they won it, he felt that even though it was a disappointing season, he would in some ways go out on top. But, you know, so I think maybe that's how close it came for him. But, no, he believed he was done. And, uh, and his wife certainly uh, was making sure that was the case. He had his walk-off. Uh, and then, of course, he got into broadcasting. But uh, I, I guess, you know the bug is never too far away. You know, he's, he's doing a game and, and all of a sudden he runs into one of his former players. Yeah. What I, I said to him, was there kind of a seminal moment where you knew that you weren't done coaching? And he said it was at a Houston Texans practice and he's looking out there and there's Tyron Matthew, who's uh, his beloved safety. Uh, you know, he drafted him, and he yeah. took a lot of ch- chances on him and, and really developed him into one of the top safeties in, in the league, and he started coaching him. And all of a sudden he caught himself, like, whoa, you know, I can't be doing that. But that's when he realized, uh-oh, it is not out of my blood here. And I think that he really – I think that he enjoyed broadcasting because it did keep him around the game. 
Uh, I think he, uh, I think he really loved working with the people at CBS that he did. There were two issues. One was the fact that uh, I think in his first game he referred to a receiver as wide ass open, and I can't do a, a southern drawl very good, but but it's a lot better. And they were so sort of shocked. Oh my God, he used the word ass. I'm using it on your podcast, you know, don't bleep me here. You're but, fine. You know, You're I think fine. they were so shocked that they didn't even know what to say, so nobody even corrected him. Nobody even sort of joked about it, but later they had a little little chat with him about his language, and he said, well, I knew that was going to be a problem. And the other thing, Rick, truthfully, is, look, if you think about coaches, players, they're pretty spoiled. They get travel. They get, you know, picked up, you know, carted all over the place. You're living in Georgia – not near the airport, let's put it that way. You're connecting, yeah. basically. It's a long travel. It was brutal for him. Even his wife, Chris, told me that the travel was just debilitating for him. Then he ended up going to London for a game that they had. He got like a bronchial infection uh, mm. that really, I mean, you know how that goes. It, it, you're in and out of airports and hotels and da da da. Lasted for eight weeks, and it was just so it was a different kind of health issue. But he thinks it was brought on by the travel, and he hated the travel. Absolutely hated it. So that was the other thing that kind of drove him out of the broadcasting. And, it, and for him, it was a perfect storm. You remember during the season last year, something came up about coaching the Cleveland Browns? Absolutely, uh, yeah. He said that he, was the only he, job that he would consider, right? Right, exactly. For him, I, apparently, he had been asked the question, and to his credit, he will actually give you an honest answer. And, you know, he, that's what he was thinking at, at the time. But for him, I asked him about it, and he said it was kind of floating a trial balloon. You know, would there be any interest in me? Is there still any interest in me? You know, I'm an older guy, uh, you know, kind of been there, done that. He's got his history here. So for him, I actually think that Tampa was the perfect job. Uh, and probably the only job that his wife would have signed on for. So, uh, you know, Chris uh, w- was genuinely concerned. That's not a that's that's not an overstatement. But so so how did did he have to sell her on this? I mean, was this was this a tough sell for him uh, with his wife? It 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 was the extent of um, Chris had two preconditions for taking the job, and if you meet her, and I've been around her for for years, I mean, look, football wives are an entirely different breed. Uh, you know, uh, Rex Ryan once had the best line, there's two kinds of wives, great ones and ex ones. And <laughs> Chris is, is, trust me, she's really in the great ones category. She basically said to him, um, number one, I want an unlimited travel budget to be able to go wow. to Birmingham, Birmingham, Alabama, where their daughter and her, two, and her, and her, and her husband's two kids live. She's going to be, you know, Chris wants to be able to see her grandbabies at any time. And the second one was, you ready for this? Not buying property in Tampa they're going to rent. Wow. Like, I don't want to buy. I'm done buying. Huh. I want to rent. Yeah. That's part of my condition uh, of, of moving. And he agreed to both. Smart man. Listen to your wife. Always a good, uh, good thing. But I think that what Chris saw... She obviously saw the toll that the travel was taking from, from his work with CBS. But to use her word, he was miserable. 
He was mm. absolutely miserable. And, you know, you got to know your spouse. And if something they're doing or not doing in their life is making them miserable, then you got to rethink it, right? Because yeah. especially for someone who's got health issues, life truly is too short. For Bruce, which was interesting, he said that sitting out that season made him feel old. Wow. He said he just felt old. He said he woke up in the morning, uh, didn't have that sense of purpose. Yeah. He, uh, you know, there's only so much golf you can play. There's only so many times you can go out on your boat. There's only so many times you can pick up the phone and talk to people. Uh, he just, he, look, other, other coaches, and he is certainly not alone, have struggled with this. Uh, some fall into retirement better. As I said to him, you have not failed in many things, but retirement is definitely one of them. <laughs> and, uh, and it's true. He, he failed at retirement. He's, he's lost 25 pounds. Um, we know he's delegating uh, responsibilities. We'll get to that in just a minute with Byron Leftwich and others. Um, but, you know, Andrea, I see him. He's in a golf cart. Um, he's able to stand. I mean, he did stand through a practice the other day. What I'm wondering is what happens when it counts, right? I mean, this all sounds good. Uh, I'm going to take it a little easier. I'm, I'm going to do things different. Um, but the pressure of the NFL never changes, right? When, when every game is so precious and they turn on, on a dime or a call, uh, how do you think he's going to – wouldn't he just naturally go back to, uh, uh, to, the, to the blood pressure rising? You are positing a theory that I said to him directly. Uh, mm. Of course. I mean, you know, you know what it's like, Rick? It, for me, it's like taking a quarterback – who's been playing a certain way for his entire career with his mechanics and changing the mechanics. You can correct his footwork. You can correct his release point. You can correct a lot of things. But when the you-know-what hits the fan, when the pass rush is coming and the pocket's breaking down, you're going to revert back to your, the habits that have uh, served you or in some cases not served you well over the years. And I don't think that there's really anything different about a head coach. And uh, I even got to the point, uh, you know, you, you mentioned we'll talk about it, with Byron Leftwich, who is his yeah. offense coordinator. Uh, obviously, Byron was his backup quarterback under Ben mm -hmm. Roethlisberger for several years when, when Arians was in Pittsburgh. Um, Arians told Leftwich, even back then in Pittsburgh, you know, you're going to be a coach one day. Uh, of course, Leftwich is playing. He kind of eschews this. So I don't even want to think about it. Uh, he brought Leftwich in to the Cardinals organization in 2016 in the coaching internship program. 2017, he was on the staff as quarterback's coach. 2018, when Bruce is jetting off for CBS uh, and uh, Leftwich ends up getting elevated to offense coordinator when Mike McCoy got fired, so, you know, and, and I remember because we had the Cardinals for a game when, uh, for Amazon Thursday Night Football. I called Bruce, and I'm like, give me the scouting report on Coach Byron Leftwich. And he said, no, 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 he's got it. He, he, he's good. He's going to be good. Uh, I got faith in him. I've, I've been, you know, sort of positioning him for this offense coordinator. I'm glad that he's getting the opportunity to do it. And, look, last year was tough because you're running somebody else's offense. He was right. still running Mike McCoy's offense. I mean, you're taking over play-calling duties, but it's not like you're changing the offense. You're not, it's not like mm. I mean, you, can, you can tweak it here and there and modify it a little bit, but you've also got a rookie quarterback in Josh Rosen. So it was 
talk about a perfect storm of things going wrong. Uh, you know, that's, that's being thrown into the fire in a big way in your, in your first opportunity. So it's going to be different this year. But I said to Bruce, I said, I understand that you are elevating Leftwich because you believe he's the first person that you think can do it. You've never abdicated play-calling responsibilities before. You don't want to be the one who's looking over his shoulder, you, and you really believe in him, and that's great. I said, but what happens if it doesn't work? Mm. Aren't you going to be harming potentially his career trajectory by taking it away from him? And look, I get it. You know, why would I? He doesn't want to think about negative things. I, I don't want to have hypotheticals. I'm just going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to believe that this is going to work. But I will share one thing with you that I, that I did learn, um, Rick, and that is that, you know, when you hire Bruce Arians, you're hiring him because, I mean, darn, the guy wrote a book called The Quarterback Whisperer, right? That's right. And he truly yes, has been right. between Ben Roethlisberger and Andrew Luck, Peyton, dating back to Peyton Manning, and now he's got maybe his best, uh, his, his, his biggest challenge in Jameis Winston. But you're hiring him for that. You're hiring him for his inventive play calling, his great offensive uh, mind. And the Glazers were not real fired up that he says – to start, he's not going to be calling the plays, but this is something that he truly believes if he delegates, he's got a better shot of being the coach and maybe, uh, I'm sorry to be coming full circle here, getting back to your initial point, to getting out of that golf cart. Um, yeah. Also, I, I don't know, that seems to resonate for you maybe more than me. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do. I, I look, I, I remember, I'm, I'm really dating myself now, but I remember being in all those Chicago Bears training camps, and trust me, Mike Dicka didn't get out of that golf cart very much, <laughs> and nobody was questioning. No, seriously, I mean, I was at those. I Bears know, training I camps. know what you're talking and, about. Yeah, right. So I'm not sure that that's uh, you know, it's pretty hot in there. You're 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 still in your 60s. You know, geez, in our in our story, he's yelling at somebody like, "You take water when I tell you to take water." Like, whoa. We're back in the 60s in the, in, with Bear Bryant? I mean, what's the deal here, dude? But, you know, maybe it's for him, too, you know, taking water breaks only when necessary. I don't know. Let, let's see. Let's, I, I think that I, I know that your listeners may hate hearing that, a big let's see, but that's how you have to be with every team in the National Football League. They all set or sound in the same thing. Right, Rick? It's like after the draft, oh, everybody we wanted was there, and every move we made was perfect. Let's see. Let's see how it plays out. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised that he wasn't going to call plays, but I know he has faith in, in, in Byron, and yet, you know, you're not getting the same coach that turned around the Arizona Cardinals because he was he had his fingers in every pie, and, and yet, um, you know, you mentioned Bear Bryant. I mean, this this is his biggest disciple, right? I mean, he was a disciple of Bear Bryant's. He, he saw in later in years, you know, Bear Bryant climbed up the tower or whatever he did and watched the practices right. from up there and 120 right. players or, right. you know, and so this is sort of, sort of what his, his picture is in, in, in later part right. of his oh, by career. The way, so, speaking, of, speaking of that, I got, I got to tell you this. So we go into his office. We, we, um, we, we did a little thing in his office and uh, because right after practice, he goes up there and he starts breaking down film and you know, the, it's, it's a nice spacious office. Um, it's, it's, it's sort of spartanly decorated, but um, he's got, you know, two uh, mini uh, Lombardi Trophy replicas dating back to uh, two Super Bowls in Tampa. Excuse yeah. me, in oh, God, from my mouth to God's ears, right? In, uh, in Pittsburgh. <laughs> oh, they hope. <laughs> exactly. And he's got, you know, the family pictures, of course. And then he's got a big portrait of Bear Bryant, because yeah. that was 
you know, the man that he, uh, you know, that, that, that was his, uh, his role model for coaching, um, yeah. you know, dating back to his days at Alabama. And um, so, yeah, there's, I think that there's, there's definitely some of that. Uh, there's a lot of him, a lot of Bear Bryant he hopes in him. But, uh, yeah, uh, look, how, how he's going to delegate, let, let's, let's just see. But um, that, is, that is the plan. Yeah, he tells me that pic- he has that picture over his right shoulder, not his left, uh, wherever, whatever office that he's in. And so that's, that's a big deal. Uh, look, you mentioned the, the, the luck he's had uh, with Andrew Luck and Ben Roethlisberger and Carson Palmer and all those guys. What do you think he'll do for Jameis Winston? And, and since you cover the NFL and you're out there, just sort of what – I would assume there's mixed opinions, or maybe there is an opinion now about Jameis going into year five. Well, I, I, what I think – Rick, and I'm sure you've heard this as well. You know, look, the, the, the talk around the league from the moment Bruce got hired is this is Jameis's make-or-break season in Tampa. Obviously, it's in mm-hmm. his last year of his contract. And if anybody is going to get the most out of Jameis Winston, and if Jameis Winston isn't going to be in a position to sign a, a longer-term deal, whether in Tampa or, or get a second chance someplace else, it's going to be through Bruce Arians. It's going to be through his coaching, through his play-calling, uh, through the kind of offense that uh, he's going to run. And, you know, sometimes things just aren't that difficult. So when, when Arian says to him, uh, one of the big things you've got to do is cut down on interceptions, very simply, don't throw it to the other team. Again, <laughs> it sounds tongue-in-cheek. It's not. And, and is it hard? Of course, damn right it's hard. Of course it's hard. But that's, I think, the gist of, of what he needs from Jameis. You've got to protect the ball. I, I mean, you, you know, when, when, when analysts talk like this, it kind of gets mind-numbing because it's the same refrain over and over again. But that's what it boils down to. And, and what, what people also, they, you always have to remember is, it's not just, oh, the quarterback turned the ball over, you know, you know bad for Jameis and, you know, bad for my fantasy football team and things like that. It's bad for the team. It puts every, all, quote-unquote, three phases of the game at risk. It's just that simple. It hurts your defense. You know, it could put your special teams, you know, back them up, whatever it is. So it's, it hurts the entire team. And uh, he's got to clean up Jameis's game. Uh, we talked about mechanics. I think there's always some mechanical things. And, again, you know, coaches is very careful to not in any way besmirch the coaching that Jameis Winston has gotten up to this point. But the other thing you have to remember is uh, Bruce has known Jameis dating back to being in high school. What yeah. you call him, I'm not going to say it, Jabu, Jabu, Jabu. I, you know, again, I don't have any kind of southern accent, so I'm not going to say it right. But, you know, he's got a familiarity factor. And then also I think something that's really interesting is that Jameis has already been on the record as saying – he feels especially comfortable with an African-American offensive coordinator who's played the yes. position in Byron yeah, Absolutely. And absolutely. you cannot underestimate the comfort, that comfort factor. It, it just is. Even though, i got to tell you, isn't it funny? You look at Leftwich, man, he looks like he could still play. It's, yeah, he's uh, in great shape. You know, he's, yeah. yeah, he's in great shape. Uh, you know, not that old. As I kind of joke with him, I said, with the Tom Brady's and Drew Brees's of the world, you know, 40, 41, 42 just doesn't yeah. seem that old, right? You can still get out there. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There, but. Um... But I think that um, I, I think that it's going to be. I think that I I I got it. You got to trust Bruce Arians. If he believes in Byron Leftwich the way he does, uh, and also the other thing is, don't overlook Clyde Christensen, who's you know the quarterback coach. Clyde is was Peyton's right hand man. Uh, really is is a terrific terrific coach. I've known him his entire coaching career. I think that you know he's one of these guys who's always been there and is oh and and is you know he's so smart, the veteran savvy knows how to work with these guys. This is by far, in my opinion, not even close, the best coaching that Jameis Winston is ever going to get. So I, I truly agree. do believe that if he's ever going to succeed under this coaching staff in this offensive system, this is going to be it. I agree. I know Clyde. He started here under Tony Dungy in the NFL. Of course, he goes exactly. back to Bruce at at Temple. That's yep. how far they go back. Yeah. Look, he's got uh, he's got you know you mentioned Byron Leftwich. He's got three black defensive or, uh, coordinators. Of course, Todd Bowles and also Keith Armstrong as his special teams coach coordinator. They're all good coaches. They all have resumes. Byron's just starting his career. But this is not an accident, Andrea. Right? No. And um, well, not only that. So. Uh, you know, look, I think it's, it's sort of a sad commentary, Rick, that, that this is actually kept track of, so to speak. But it's the first yeah. time in NFL history it's believed that you've got an African-American offense coordinator, defense coordinator, special teams coordinator, and assistant head coach in Harold Goodwin. Yeah. And um, it's not a coincidence in the sense of, and, and this is one of the things that we, that we look, that we explore, that we uh, we talk about in our HBO Real Sports profile on, on, on Bruce, which is the dating back to growing up in York, Pennsylvania in the 60s, which was an extremely turbulent time for race relations. Uh, Bruce has always been colorblind. And, um, you know, we hear that a lot. Oh, yeah, you know, some of my friends were blind. No, he really, he was dating back to uh, his best friend growing up, whose brother was actually in the Black Panthers and basically said, if you, Chucky Kennard, continue to walk with that kid, Bruce Arians, to school, you know, the Black Panthers are going to beat you up and Bruce himself is going to get beat up. So the two walked, uh, you know, they just walked up a different road uh, to get to school and then got to the gym and continued to do their thing. And I mm. said to, to Bruce, I said, did you ever stay in touch with, with, with Chucky? And he goes, um, yeah, he was in my wedding. <laughs> so there was that. Then, of course, Bruce takes his, you know, attitude, if you will, on race to college in Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech and lived in the first mixed race dorm with a guy named James Barber, who parenthetically um, mm -hmm. was the father of two of the great players of, of our era, Rondé yep. and Kiki Barber. And they called it Salt and Pepper Incorporated. Uh, again, you know, almost, almost like laughing at people who thought it was a big deal that the white guy's living with a black guy. And Bruce tells a story, and 
again, he tells it so much better in the real sports piece, and I'm going to possibly say it, but he says that um, one day one of some white guy that he knows says, what's it like? And he said, <laughs> what's what like? He goes, what's it like living with a black guy? And Bruce looks at him and goes, hell of a lot better than living with you. <laughs> and, again, <clears throat> this, is just, this is just sort of who he is. Yeah. Um, and so the coaching staff, first and foremost, is made up. It, it's his, by far, it's his dream coaching staff. And, look, as you know, Rick, covering the NFL this long, the, coach, the composition of the coaching staff is always very underrated. You, mm-hmm. you want to have your guys, okay, the guys who are loyal, the guys you can trust. You know, you don't want to have any of this, you know, worrying about backstabbing and, you know, upward mobility. You know, no, no, no. you got to have your guys because above all, you have to and, – and, and guys, and now, you know, guys is used in a pejorative sense here because he's got two female coaches. And, and, it's, and I'll get to that in a second, or, you know, I'm sure you want to talk about that. But with, look at his staff. you got McNair, who played for him at Temple, who's, you know, really getting a second chance after everything that happened at USC. Of course, you have Todd Bowles, who played for him at Temple. You mentioned Clyde Christensen, who dates back with him to Temple. You know, you've got guys that, that have worked with him in Pittsburgh, guys that have worked with him in Indianapolis, guys that have worked with him in Arizona. He, is, he loves this coaching staff, and yes, there are probably more African-American coaches on this coaching staff than maybe any other. In the, but Bruce, you know, for him, it's the best coaches. And, oh, by the way, if it, if it you know, points a – if it thumbs the nose at the NFL, yeah. uh, who, you know, they, they have to legislate that you've got to interview black coaches, you know, then if, he, if he's sending a message, he didn't hire this coaching staff to send the message – but it sends a strong message anyway, and um, if it promotes the coaches, then that's great. But for him, it's just the best guys. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fascinating. You know, for a guy that's sixty six years old, he's as progressive as as you can imagine. And and you did mention there the uh, the two female coaches, and not just you know we've seen interns and 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 various uh, assistants. I mean, he has an assistant defensive line coach in Lori Locust. I mean, this is a this is a yeah. major position on a staff. So you know, this 100%, is a big deal. A hundred percent. And and I said to him, I said, you know, I asked him, I said, what is she doing? Thinking that he might say. She's kind of more in the kind of quality control area, yeah. which is, look, where a lot of young coaches start. And, sure. uh, you know, it serves someone like John Gruden well. And he goes, no, 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 no. She's out there coaching. She played the position. She's coached the position. Uh, and the other thing is, uh, she's no spring chicken. You know, mm-hmm. she's not, uh, you know, his, the, the other assistant that he had is the assistant strength and conditioning coach. And she is a younger woman. But Lori Locust has a lot of experience. And she's out there. She is working on technique. She is uh, uh, really hands-on. You've been out of practice. I've been yep. out of practice. You, you know, she is really hands-on with these guys. Um, she's working with Casey Rogers, who's the defensive line coach. The two of them look like they're connected at the hip. Um, and, you know, I talked to Lori a little bit after practice, and I was pretty impressed with her because unlike some other um, women who have had the opportunity, she wants to put her head down and she wants to coach. She doesn't want to be singled out. She doesn't want the, the media attention. She, in, in fact, she's very sensitive to that uh, because she doesn't want there to be any, 
perception at all that she's there just because of her gender and is being singled out as opposed to other assistant coaches due to her gender. So, um, you know, and, and ultimately, and maybe this sounds a little Pollyanna-ish for some, but this is true. When you have position coaches, whether they're full position assistants, whatever their official title is, you can't just take a flyer on someone because of their race or gender because you are counting on them to do a job. And, as, and I've always found with players, you know, if the coach is going to teach them and work with them and listen to them, they don't care what they look like, what they sound like, just make me better. And I, I think that someone like Coach Locust is, is going to do that. Um, and I don't think that, that Bruce really viewed her gender in hiring her. I think he viewed someone that, uh, you know, that could be a good coach. Now, look, is it an added benefit that it's a woman? No doubt. Might it be an added benefit that they're African-American? No doubt. But they got to do the job. And Byron Leftwich made that clear when I asked him about it directly. Yeah, there's no doubt. These are good coaches. Lori Locus is somebody whose ex-husband played for Bruce Arians at Temple, so he has known her and known her role in football all these years. Andrea, yes. uh, this was great stuff. Uh, I wanted to, uh, to also mention that you did a story uh, on HBO uh, that's running all this month as well on Ice Cube, which is, you know, we know him through his music and his films. Now he's into sports. Yeah, it was, it was interesting, and thanks for asking about that. Um, uh, it's great to have two stories that are, that are airing in one month. Believe me, it's, it's, it's a rarity. Um, basically, you know, here is someone who is so well-known in Americana uh, yeah. for developing gangster rap and, and taking a life that he had growing up in Southern California and life in his neighborhood, and turning that into uh, music and spawning an incredibly successful career, which he then turned into a film career, um, and whether it's Boys in the Hood, whether it's the Friday franchise, uh, Barbershop, what, you know, excelled in, in movies. And, again, taking it from his upbringing and his, and his childhood. And then there's always been this other piece, because... Really, Rick, regardless of your, of your race or, in a lot of cases, your gender, what do kids do in the summer? Kids, professionals even, do three-on-three three basketball. You, you, Absolutely. You pick up game, and every, everybody plays it. We've all played it at some point. Mm-hmm. And, and Ice Cube really played it as a kid. So he's sitting there watching Kobe Bryant's last game uh, for the Lakers when he scored 60 points against Utah. And, you know, talking about walking away at the top of your game. And he's sitting there thinking, okay, you may be done in the NBA. You may, may be ready to move on to movies and winning Academy Awards and all that. But you're not done basketball. But where are you going to go? There's no place for you to play. And that was the genesis of the Big Three Professional Basketball League. Uh, now in its third season, uh, as you, under, you, have to, you have to understand really quickly how it works, which is, there's no home teams. There are teams that travel basically in a tour. And so I'm sitting with Ice Cube on his tour bus, just like he toured, you know, for the past 30 years with NWA and, and w- when he would make different appearances, even after the group disbanded, he's back on tour. But this time it's with 
a sports league. They barnstorm around the country, uh, 18 different cities. Uh, they've expanded each year. Uh, they're averaging about 10,000 in arena. I've been to a couple of the games. Uh, we were in Kansas City for one, and it was, it was, I will tell you, the energy is absolutely electric. Think about it. You're cutting a basketball court in half. You got three players on each team, obviously. You play to 50. First to 50, you got to win by two. Um, you know, there's various rules. The thing that I love is that Ice Cube is so into it. They'll change the rules as you go along. They added a four-point <laughs> shot. There's three big circles on the court where you can hit a four-point shot. As you, if you're fouled, you get the number of free throws depending on where you're shooting, you know, a jumper, right. where you're shooting, a, taking a three. You know, there's various, various rules. But, like, for example, the first, after the first season, they were starting to play to 60. And he's sitting there courtside watching, and he said it felt long, so they just changed the rules. Now you play to 50. Mm. So mm. he, oh, my God, he is involved in every detail of this game. And then when the game's over, he sits in his tour bus, and he watches film of the game because these games are broadcast on CBS. And he watches for everything. He watches for game presentation. He, watches for the, he listens to the analysts. He, you know, he's been a producer. He's, he knows what he thinks is good television, what's good entertainment. So he is fully invested in this. Every single person I talk to, players, coaches, Hall of Famers, you name it, everybody talks to how hard he's working. And, look, we hear that a lot. The guy is relentless. He didn't make a movie for three years just working on this. And um, he is determined to make it work at a time, Rick, as you know, when startup leagues, it's brutal. Mm. It is brutal for startup leagues. Uh, we just saw one in football fail abysmally, not even getting through yeah. the first full season. The last startup league, if you will, was the UFC. And it took them 10 years, almost 10 years to be profitable. If you talk to Ice Cube and his co-founder, Jeff Quantnitz, They'll tell you they expect to be profitable next year in year four. So uh, for him, it's taking what everybody's always done and turning it into a pro league. So it's just really fascinating to, to, to listen to him and to, to, to get a sense as to uh, why he and this league will, he thinks will succeed. And very simply, he just will say, he just told me, I'd rather do it and fail than have this great idea that I'm sitting on for my whole life and never enacting it. And, look, he's invested millions of dollars of his own money in this. So uh, he is, he's, got all, he's got millions of reasons that he needs it to work, let's put it that way. I'm fascinated by you on a tour bus with Ice Cube. I think you should have your own tour bus because of all that you do. I'm, and uh, that I'm includes Thursday, <laughs> <laughs> with Thursday Night Football with Hannah Storm, which is a historic thing on Amazon Prime Video, uh, just just real quickly, that's got to be an unbelievable. I mean, you're making history here again. Yeah, maybe I will ask for a tour bus in my next car. That's what you How need. That? I'll, I'll drive it. I'll tell you it. what. Yeah, right. That would be um, awesome. Yeah, really. Um, you know, it it was it literally, Rick. One day, I'm sitting in my office, and my agent calls, and he says, "Would you be interested in calling games for Thursday Night Football?" Now, we're in a podcast, right? Can I can I Yeah, you can a, say you whatever you want to say. Right? My reaction was Are you sh me? <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> and he says, 
so my agent, Phil DiPicciato, absolutely amazing, says to me, listen, it may not work. It may not work out. You may not want to do it. You may not have time. But I will not accept that you can't do it. Right. And I, that's the thing. But, but think about it, Rick, and especially you as the father of two daughters, okay? Mm-hmm. You have to see it to believe it. No woman has ever done, you know, NFL, full-time NFL game analysis. So, yes, I'm very proud that last year I I was uh, inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame um, with the Pete Rozelle Award. I'm very proud of that. But I'd never done it before. So until you even try to do it, you don't know. And I remember doing the first, and Hannah, who is the, the, absolutely one of the most brilliant broadcasters of our generation, male or female. She can do anything and everything. She is an amazing host. In her previous life, she had done a little bit of WNBA play-by-play, but she'd never done play-by-play. So we're we're both, as she likes to say, holding hands and jumping off the cliff together. (laughs) Um, But I remember our first practice game. Oh, my God. We're sitting in an office with, uh, with, you know, obviously the game being, live game being fed into us and we're, you know, sound turned down and we're doing it. And we get, and it was, it was, oh my God, flying by the seat of our pants. And we get to halftime and I looked at Hannah and I whispered in her ear, we can do this. Mm-hmm. And it, we, had, we had a ton more preparation to go. We had all kinds of rehearsals yet to go. Uh, I, I'll share this with you. Two days before our first game, my husband comes home from work, and I go, hey, i got to talk to you. Come in the bedroom. We go in there, and I just started to cry. And he's like, oh, my God, where's my wife? Send her back. And I, <laughs> that's how stressed out I was. I've never done oh. that. But that's how much stress I felt. So the next day, uh, it's the night for our first game, my phone rings, and I look down at caller ID, and I say, Hello, Coach, and it's John Madden. No way. Whom I, wow. work, I worked with him for five years on Sunday Night Football and obviously Hall of Fame in every way. So he says, I didn't know about this. I come, I didn't know. I'm proud of you. You know, you're going to do great. We're talking. And, and he said something to me that Al Michaels said the same exact thing, which is, um, don't, don't, you don't have to use all this football lingo. He said, announcers use. 99, 90% of the football lingo that these announcers use, they got no idea what that's about. And 99% of the audience, they don't even know what you're talking about. It sounds good, but they don't know. And I, and I had already made that commitment that if I was going to talk about a jet sweep or ghost motion or, or OPI or DP, whatever it is, I'm going to explain what it is. Because you've got to remember, we're in 200 countries. We have no idea the level of knowledge that people have. But no matter what, whether you're sitting in... in Indonesia or Indiana, I still want to be able to explain to you about the game, okay? Anyway, John Madden says to me, you know, how you feeling? I go, truthfully, Coach, I'm, 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 I'm pretty scared here. I'm pretty nervous here. And he says to me, don't feel like you have to cram for the test. You've been preparing for this for 30 years. Now, when John Madden says that to you, that's a pretty strong message. So mm-hmm. my anxiety level may have only been reduced from like a 10 to a 7, but at least it was on a downward trend, which is good. <laughs> so uh, 
you know, look, I think that every week we got better. I think that by far our best game was our last game, which happened to be the best game of our schedule, uh, which was uh, the Chargers winning in Kansas City uh, for the first time in seemingly forever. Uh, It was a tremendous game. We learned every week. We made mistakes. We tried not to make the same mistake twice. Um, I think that we're a good listen. We're different. We're different because, of course, we're going to be different. The way we approach the game is different. Our preparation is different. We're, we're reporters at, 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 um, at heart. So uh, we're an option. We're not better. We're not worse. We're an option. And for Amazon, it's about providing people options. So uh, that's an, um, But I'm really proud. Of, we were renewed seven months early. Uh, that's how much faith Amazon had in us. So we start up again this year when – Fox takes over the Thursday night football slate, and it's it's a great slate of games, and um, I'm pretty excited about it. You should be, and you should be proud. I have two daughters, and uh, if either of them have uh, half the success you do and have you as a role model, uh, I'll be doing just fine. So, Andrea Kramer, a well, member of the me, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Great, thank you, but their mom's a pretty great role model. and that's She what, is indeed. That's most important. That's what's most and, important. And she knows she knows how to pick her friends, and uh, we appreciate uh, you being our friend. And thanks so much, Andrea. I know it's a, it's a big commitment, a lot of time, and we do appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you. I understand you won't be at our Thursday night football game, though, at Carolina, right? No, unfortunately not. Our um, our schedule starts uh, after that. Our the the Fox yeah. and uh, Amazon schedule starts on September 26th with the Eagles and Packers, but. Uh, Buccaneers and Panthers, uh, you know, it's a great way to start off the Thursday night football schedule. It'll be on the NFL Network. And, um, yep. you know, it's going to be – it'll be interesting. I, I, I hope – you know, look, uh, we all remember the year that the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl and, and you know, how amazing that was. And uh, uh, I think that they, they are in a great position. And as you well know, comes down to a lot of the quarterbacks. So let's see what, uh, what happens with Jameis. Thanks for having me on. Finally, finally, I, I'm I'm now you know big enough that I can make yeah. the Rick Stroud podcast. So uh, sure, uh, you know I I appreciate your time. It's great, great, great to talk to you on and off the uh, mic. Well, we would have you every week, but your schedule's a little too busy. But I do appreciate it. And uh, get me I've the tour you. bus. Get me the tour bus. Yeah, get me I'm the getting tour the tour bus. I've known you since <laughs> ninety. I'm going to drive that because I'm sure I'm going to be retiring before you do. So uh, at any rate, thanks, Andrea. We'll talk to you down the road. I appreciate all the time. Thanks, Rick. So great to talk to Andrea Kramer in a great interview there uh, and a lot of information, too. Um, happy to have her on the show. So uh, the Rays will resume their series with the Red Sox. The trade deadline is today at 4 p.m. The Bucks have their first day off of training camp. We're going to have our mailbag for tomorrow, so get your questions in. Now, if you do that, you just submit them Online on Twitter, if you'd like to, you can reach us on Twitter at SportsDayTB, or you can send them to me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. And folks, uh, if you're looking for something to do with the family, now's the time. Why don't you go scalloping? I mean, it's a family bonding experience. they got plenty of pontoon boats up there. They're going to provide you with everything you want with Captain Mike's Swimming with the Manatees in Citrus County. Scallop season runs through September 24th, so you still got plenty of time. Now, all you have to do is book online at swimmingwithamanatees.com or call 352-571-1888. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.